Good morning and welcome to Calvary Chapel. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 22 through 24. Let's open in prayer. Father, we have meeting with you this morning at this appointed time, a time that has been set aside to meet with you congregationally, to adore you, to worship you, to exalt your Son. And Lord, we look to you to teach us, to instruct us through your Holy Spirit, to touch and change our lives, our thinking, our mind, to empower us in each and every step, to bring glory to you and to you alone. So thank you again for meeting with us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Let's read our text together. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust and deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, and has been created in the righteousness and holiness of truth. Perhaps you've seen one of those car chases that one guy is chasing the other guy, and they seem like they're going so, so very fast, and all of a sudden, one of the guys hits his brakes and just makes a bout face. He makes a 180, and you know he had to be going at least 60 miles an hour. It's a radical turn. It throws everybody off base, and really, that's the life that God calls you and me to. It's a radical life. Christianity is radical. It is different than every other life here on this world. Where the world is is moving in the opposite direction of God. They're being driven by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life. It's not that way for the believer. That's why I've titled 180, it's 60. God calls us to this radical change. Look again in verse 22. We see that phrase, the old self. The King James uses the old man. The term old self refers to what a man was before he accepted Christ. It's his very nature of man, of humanity. It's natural and it's of the corruptible seed. It's passed from generation to generation and it leads to death. See, all men are born in the sinful state and condition, which is called the original sin. It was what is called the nature of Adam or the old self or the old man. This is the, the root of all actual sins that are committed in this world. There's some things I want to show you about this old self in the scripture or the old man, depending again on the translation you're reading and and I'll probably use both terms. First, notice in Christ, the believer's old self has been put to death. That's what we see in Romans 6, verses 5 through 7. 
for we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. See, this passage refers, again, symbolically to, again, baptism, that when we're baptized, that we're buried with him and raised in the newness of life. It's what we call symbolism. It is a picture of us identifying, again, with Christ's life. Well, Jesus was baptized once, if you remember, at the River Jordan. John the Baptist was, was again, preaching, preaching the need for repentance of sins. In fact, his baptism was only the baptism of repentance of sins. It was preparing the way. A person needs to recognize they're a sinner. It was pointing to the fact that Jesus would come and would die for our sins and that he would be raised upon that third day. So just as Jesus was baptized and did not need to repent of sins, he was identifying with the sinful nature of man that he would die for you and for me. We too identify with Christ. The believer identifies no longer with the world, but he chooses to identify with Christ. Now, when the believer receives Christ, God immediately sees him, counts him, reckons him as righteousness, justified just as he never said. But again, God immediately counts him buried with Christ, united with Christ in the very likeness of his death and raised in that newness of life. The deeds of the old self have been put off from the believer. His slate is wiped clean. He has a, a new start, a new beginning. A Colossians 3.9 remind us, while it's symbolic, but it's true what we are to literally do. Do not lie to one another, since you've laid aside that old self with which it's evil practices. Now, the idea is this old self, this old man is dying. You know it. You're older than you were before. You feel it in your life. And if you're young, you will feel it, let me tell you. But if you went and took a chicken, you cut its head off, it would run around a while, but eventually it falls over. The nerves keep it going for a while. And like that, you and I have died. And we're going to physically die one day. Unless we are born again, we will never enter the kingdom of God, as the scripture says. So for now, what we do is we go through these moves and we put off these things of the flesh. We no longer identify with our flesh, but we identify with the spiritual things. In fact, again, when in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, do not lie to one another. It tells me I have the power. I no longer have to sin. I no longer have to lie. In fact, if I do, I choose to, and I choose now to rebel against God because now I know it's rebellion against God. So the power, when I identify with Jesus Christ, the power 
of these evil deeds has been broken. The choice is a choice that I make to walk in righteousness or walk in unrighteousness, to put off this, again, old self and put on that new self. The believer is no longer in bondage unless he chooses to walk in bondage. Well, again, notice in this passage, the believer himself is exhorted, put off the old self. He is told to exercise his own will in putting off that old self. He believes and he learns to trust and act upon these truths. The old self now, from God's perspective, is counted dead, as I mentioned. Therefore, the believer is to count this old self or old man dead to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. In fact, in Romans 6.11, notice what it says. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Another translation will put it this way. Reckon yourselves dead to sin. See, the old self is recognized as being very much alive. The old self is tempted to look and taste and feel and think and experience sin. But the believer rejects the temptation. He refuses to participate in sin. He chooses to put off the old self and walk in the new self day by day. Look with me at Romans six twelve and 13 on the screen. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Let me stop there just for a second. Notice the phrase, do not let. Again, the scripture is making it very clear that you and I, as a believer, when our eyes have been opened, we have power over our sinful nature. That power is trusting in God, leaning upon God, and allowing the Holy Spirit to make us victorious because we already are victorious in Him. Now, let's begin that passage again. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. You don't have to. Verse 13, do not go on presenting your members of your body to instruments of unrighteousness. But here's what we're to do. But present yourself to God as those who are alive from the dead. Notice I've highlighted that phrase, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead. It's highlighted in green. And whenever you see anything that I highlight in green, it refers to grace. See, we can rely upon God's grace. God will give you and me the grace to resist sin but also now to present ourselves to God. And notice as that passage goes on, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. You and I are to present ourselves as a servant to the true and holy God. Now the old self, which refers to all creation, is seen aging and dying day by day, as I mentioned. The believer realizes this world, it's passing away, and all that's within it, and that's including this old nature, this old self, this old man. That is the constant process of dying as well. He knows that all's dying. 
because the evil desires of the nature are deceitful. And you know, deceit disrupts, destroys relationships. Therefore, the believer chooses to put off the old self, put on the the new man. And it's done by faith in the love of God. When a person believes in in the love of God, then God responds by loving him so much that he makes him a permanent man out of him. He's a new man who is living eternally. Your life has just begun. It's not even just this length of time. It is a quality of life. The believer no longer goes through this life with fear because he learns to rest in the love of God. For if God is for you, who could be against you? Well, this person who has come to believe in the Lord is a citizen of a new heaven and a new earth. His, his citizenship is in heaven. Look down at verse 23, that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, the believer's mind is to be renewed. Renewed means to make new, readjusted, changed, turn around, regenerated. See, that's where I get the title, 180, it's 60. It's about face and all you're thinking. It's about face or what you thought about God that I had to be good enough, get my act together before I could come to God. God just says, turn to me. Call upon my name, and I will save you. I will renew you. I will regenerate you, he says. Unless a person is born again, he will not enter the kingdom of God. Because the mind of man has been affected by sin, he desperately needs to be renewed. The mind of man is far from perfect. In fact, it's basically worldly. That is selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, centered upon this world, centered upon our fleshly desires, centered upon our life and how it affects us. Man, being made in the image of God, who is the crown of creation, though is different than all the other animals, while an animal has a brain, but it, it cannot function the same way that a man does. See, again, one of the ways that man is made in the image and likeness of God, he's given a mind then he could reason in the animals. Don't reason like you and me. See, man was made unique, and there's something unique in him. And this is what enables him to commune with God, to think and to reason. And again, it's unlike any animal. You are the crown of God's creation. Now, the words mind and heart often are used interchangeably. They're very closely related, and sometimes they're far different. But let me show you a few. 
Look with me at the screen again, Proverbs 2, verses 2 through 3. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. See, that idea, notice it's highlighted. Incline your heart to understanding. It's like a mind. It reasons your your emotions. He's saying incline your emotions, your feelings, the things that move you. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all our mind and soul and strength. So we incline our hearts to him to understand and know him. Look again, Hebrews 10.16, which is really a quote, by the way, of Jeremiah 31.31, which is, that new covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws upon their heart, upon their mind, and I will write them. See again, he will put the laws upon their heart. A heart is a place of reasoning, the seat of motions. And, and you know, it tells us in the scripture our heart is wickedly deceitful above all things. Who can know it? But God's going to put his law upon our heart. And upon their mind, he'll write them. The fact is, this is talking about regeneration. There's a time that God's going to regenerate the nation of Israel. But we are grafted into this covenant. We're grafted into these spiritual blessings. While we're not Israel, we just are grafted into the spiritual blessings. Look with me, though, Peter. We'll look at Peter in Matthew 16, verse 23. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you're not setting your mind upon God's interests, but a man's. See, Peter was thinking just the way he always thought the way of the world, the way of the flesh, that he was in control, that he knew better than God. That's what the old man thinks. They think they're wiser than God. They think that they can be good enough when that time comes. They compare themselves, well, I haven't done this and I haven't done that and I'm better than that man. The standard for heaven is perfection. And the only way that you and I will ever get to heaven is trusting by faith in Jesus Christ. The human mind is tragically corrupted by man's selfishness and sin. It's, it's all about man. It's all about me. That's how he thinks. Man's mind, though, has become vain. It's empty. And it's futile in its imaginations. Look again with me to Romans 8, verse 5 through 6. For those who are according to flesh set their minds on, notice, the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind is set on the flesh is death, but the mind set upon the Spirit is life and peace. Now, notice again, there, there's a spiritual man and a non-spiritual man. There's the old man and the new man. The old self and the new self. And we'll choose which man we want to be. 
The question we have to ask, though, as we look around, has man become a reprobate? Romans chapter 1, verse 28 says this, And just as they did not see it fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind or a mind that doesn't work to do things which are not proper. In this world, there are some that have come to that point of no return. God turns them over to a reprobate mind that doesn't work. But even before that point of no return, we have turned away. We have failed to acknowledge God before we became a believer. But if a person continues to reject Jesus Christ, this is the ultimate result for him, that God will turn him over to this reprobate mind that will stand before God at that white throne judgment. Well, he's also become, as the scripture says, carnal and an enemy of God. Look with me in Romans 8, 7. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. So that old man is unable to subject himself to God's law because he's in bondage to that sin. In fact, the scripture makes it very clear that he's become blinded by Satan. Look again at the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 3, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that's the old man, the old self, so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In fact, man has become full of vanity and futility and emptiness. That's in Ephesians 4.17. So this I say, affirm together in the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. In fact, man has become so focused on earthly things It's these things that actually end up worshiping, worshiping the creation instead of the creator. Look in Philippians 3, verse 18 and 19. For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even weeping that are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is is in their shame, who have set their mind on the earthly things. Why, it's not wrong to have things, but what he's talking about, these things control them. Their lust for things, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, are their driving force in this life. In fact, what it does is alienates them from God, making him again an enemy. And yet, because they're blinded, they do not know. Look again, Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Although they were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he now reconciled you in his fleshly body through his death in order to present you before him holy and blameless beyond hope. While an unbeliever, the old man, was alienated, and even the enemy of God, God, in his great mercy, came and became a man and died upon the cross, was buried and raised from the grave that we would have life, and that one day we would be presented holy and blameless 
without reproach. See, the believer, again, goes back and he identifies with what Christ has done. He identifies with that sinfulness of his self and the need of a Savior. And he's regenerated because he trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the old man, the old self, these are the things we're putting off now, remember. It's become very fleshly. Look again at Colossians 2, verse 18. Let no one keep defrauding you of a prize by delighting in self-abasement, the worship of angels, taking a stand on visions he has seen, inflated without the cause by his fleshly mind. Continually thinking in the flesh, driven by his lust of his eyes, the lust of the flesh in the pride of life. Again, he's become defiled. Look in Titus chapter 1, verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their consciences are defiled. That's why we need a renewed mind. And our minds are renewed by the presence of Christ. You can't help but be in his presence and be changed. Remember Moses when he went up the hill to meet with God to get the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words. And he came down just radiating the glory of God. You can always tell a person who has been in the presence of God versus one who hasn't. There's a difference in their mannerism, a difference in their glow, a difference in their thoughts, the words that come from their mouth. The mind that's renewed in the presence of God is the life of a believer. And when a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ, then that man is spiritually born again. He's born again just as John 3 says, and again in 1 Peter 1 Verse 23, he's also made, as we saw in Ephesians chapter 4, made into a a new man. In Corinthians, when we looked at that, he became a new creature in Christ. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and also later on in that passage, you see that he's given the mind of Christ God has given you the mind of Christ. There's still this old man there and, and this new man, and you've got to let the new man lead. You've got to put off the things of the, of the flesh. You've got to put off that old man and let Christ be the Lord of your life. Notice again, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That means every person here who is born again has the mind of Christ. And and we yield to it. When we put off the flesh, we we yield now to the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ tells us, put off this old man. Put off this old self. Put off these things of the flesh. Christ placed his mind into the believer's mind. That is, he changes the believer's mind to focus upon God. No longer to be self-centered or centered upon this world, but now 
centered on spiritual matters. Because in reality, that's the only thing that matters. The believer's mind is renewed, it's changed, it's turned about, regenerated to focus on God. And again, that's the 180 at 60. We were headed away from God. We were enemies of God. We were choosing the things of the flesh, living for the flesh. But when we make that 180, we're moving closer and closer to the Lord. In fact, he's put his spirit in us. He's put his mind in us. And only Christ can renew that human mind. Only Christ can implant the mind of Christ within a person. And only Christ can give the person his thoughts and the spirit to live out those thoughts. So he's given us his spirit as well. The believer is to live a transformed life in the power of the spirit. And really, that's what we're going to be looking at next week is walking in that power of the Spirit. But he is to walk day by day. And day by day, renewing his mind more and more, allowing the Spirit of Christ to focus his mind and more upon God, more upon spiritual things than on this world. Look with me at Second Corinthians chapter 10. We'll begin at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful, destruction of fortress. We're destroying the speculations and every lofty raised up against the knowledge of God. We're taking every thought captive in the obedience of Christ. Now, He's talking about walk in the flesh. He's just talking here in the context, and simply in these bodies. This is our flesh. He's saying there is a battle to tempt you to turn away from Christ, to find fault with Christ, to question his word, his motive. But we, who are born again, learn to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We know that if we doubt his love, we look at the cross. How can you doubt his love any longer? We learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We learn as we read the word to ask the question, what does this tell me about you, God? Here's what we need to do is be careful. Be careful that we do not let our minds be corrupted. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Notice Eve, who had no sin, was deceived. It's so easy to be deceived. In fact, if I ask the question, how many have been deceived in some way here? As a believer, you probably hold your hand up because every one of us have been deceived in some way. But what's really important is that we keep our focus on the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. Simply loving Christ and loving others. 
Now, the believer is not to to walk as the world walks, as we looked at in the vanity of his mind. Notice again in Ephesians 4.17 and verse 23, so I say, affirm together with the Lord that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of your mind, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That that idea that you be renewed in the spirit of the mind is that we're submitting ourselves to Christ, submitting ourselves to the word. We're open. We're listening to him. When we read a passage and, and it, it convicts us, we ask for the power to overcome, to show us, to help us to put in those safety nets that we don't go down that path, to take those desires away, to help me recognize where we went wrong. Philippians Chapter 2, verse 5, I'm reading the ESV. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You know, we're to be like-minded in Christ. He's put his mind in. Now, now we're to agree with that. We're to let his mind guide and lead us in every thought. Look again, as we mentioned earlier, 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he would instruct him? We have the mind of Christ. We say, well, I have these struggles. You will have struggles until the day you go home. But you have now this mind of Christ that you no longer have to sin. You are given the spirit. You know what sin is. I know what sin is. He says, stop it. Because I've given you my mind. I've given you my spirit. The chains are broken. The choice is yours. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Where do we put our mind? What kind of things do we focus on? Do we focus on what is good, what is holy, what is righteous? what is pleasing unto the Lord. Look at 1 Peter 4.1. This is the easy reader version. Notice what it says. Christ suffered while he was in his body so that you should strengthen yourselves with the same kind of thinking Christ had. No one who accepts suffering in this life has clearly decided to stop sinning. Let's look at Peter Chapter 4, verse 1. Christ suffered while he was in his body. So you should strengthen yourselves with the same kind of thinking Christ had. The one who accepts suffering in this life has clearly decided to stop sinning. I like that. Notice he has clearly decided to stop sinning. If you don't stop, and I don't stop today, we will never stop. We're like a runaway train. Today is the day of salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord if you have not trusted in him, and he will save you. He will give you the power to be an overcomer, which you are an overcomer. You just need to trust him. He's given you his mind and his spirit. 
He has made you a new man. The new self. That's the man that's regenerated. Renewed. He's become spiritually minded. Again, he is a man who's created by Christ, in Christ, for Christ. He's been given the holy nature. An incorruptible life. He's a man that's opposed to the old self with that corrupt nature. But he's a man who has given over to the fellowship with God. He's decided to be obedient to God's will. He's decided to be devoted to the service of God, to exalting his name above every name. See, it's God that has quickened the spirit of the believer. It's God who's made you and me spiritual alive. It's God who has caused the believer to be born again spiritually. And again, he's placed his divine nature in the heart of every believer. God actually created this new man out to be a believer, a servant, a friend, a brother. He's given us his spirit to renew us day by day. We will choose to submit to God who loved you with an everlasting love, who gave himself completely for you and me. He calls us to make a 180 at 60 and to experience his love, his grace, and his power today. Father, thank you for your word that renews our mind, washes and cleanses us, that changes us, that prepares us to meet with you. So again, Lord, as you've spoken to each of us, we we ask as we leave this place today, that, Lord, you'll continue to change us and transform us as we learn to trust, to submit, to rest in you each day. And all God's people said, Amen.